Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, a founding team member of Anthemus Group in London, Vika Manos. Before finding her way into venture capital, Vika was a banker at Credit Suisse in London. It's a nice story today about how life has its way of working itself out. One of my favorite podcasts is Masters of Scale. On the episode this week, Reed Hoffman was talking with Danny Meyer, the famous restaurant owner and founder of Shake Shack. The episode is all about ignoring received wisdom. That's the way that the world says that things should be, so people just kind of go along with it. For Danny, he was trying to be a lawyer, and even though he loved everything about food and restaurants, he was operating under the assumption that the restaurant business was a bad business. And the night before he was supposed to take the LSAT, his uncle had dinner with him and said, Danny, if you don't want to be a lawyer, don't be a lawyer. Go be a restaurateur. And that flipped it for him. We, we all fall into this received wisdom trap. That's what we're doing when we chase prestigious jobs or want a fancy car or a fancy watch. That's other people's wants or ideas filtering into, into our heads. There was another story from the podcast about this basketball player, Rick Barry. He was famous for shooting his free throws underhanded or granny style. His entire life, people gave him a hard time about it. But his dad told him, Rick, if you make them, nobody can say anything. And in 1980, his 90% free throw percentage ranked first in NBA history. And it was scientifically proven that shooting free throws underhanded is a superior motion, less moving parts, and it's just easier to make a free throw. But still, nobody does it because it's weird or girly or it's just not the way that things are done. Why am I talking about received wisdom? I've been thinking about it all week. This is why naive startup founders can sometimes build such incredible businesses. They come from the outside. They just don't know any better of why things are currently being done the way they are. They see a problem or something not being done quite right. They say that's an opportunity and they set out to solve it. No matter what people say to them about how it will never work or why the way it's currently being done is best. When Danny was having that dinner with his aunt and uncle the night before he was taking the, the bar exam, and he quietly admitted that maybe he didn't want to be a lawyer, his uncle was furious. He said, do you not realize that you're going to be dead forever? Do you not realize that for how long you're going to be alive, you're, or for how long you're going to be dead, you're going to be alive for about a minute? Why in the world would you do something that you don't want to do? We, we all go through life chasing other people's passions. I've talked about prestigious jobs and schools, and maybe that will make you happy, but maybe it won't. 
The guy that makes the most money in life doesn't win. The guy that's the happiest in life, he wins. I sometimes see simple jobs where people work outdoors and the people doing them seem really happy. My friends that I grew up with in in Park City that work in the ski industry now, they're all really, really happy. Um, So really the point is figure out what makes you happy and find a way to convince yourself to do that. That's the hard part. I think it's one of the hardest things in life to do. Okay, let's get into the interview. Hey, Vika, talking to us all the way from London. Welcome to the podcast. Hi there. And yeah, this is definitely one of the oddly sunny days in London. So very, very great, beautiful day to be talking to you all. Well, I don't know, maybe you should be outside frolicking in a park, but maybe because you're talking to me and I'm in sunny Los Angeles where it's like that pretty much every day, I gave you a, a little good luck. Yeah, that's, that, that might indeed be the case. Yeah, so you are a venture capitalist. You work at this big-time VC fund called Anthemis. They invest in fintech companies. That's, you know, finance technology companies that are looking to change the way business and finance is conducted around the world. But you started your career off, like a lot of people who come on this podcast, in investment banking. So I guess let's just start there. You're not from America. You, did, you didn't go to Wharton. You're from... Uh, tell us where you're from and how you got how you got going. Yeah, so I'm actually half Greek, half Russian. I was born in St. Petersburg, but we very quickly moved to Athens, which is um, where I grew up. And uh, being an only child and all, even though I really wanted to go to the U.S. to study, um, you know, I was 17 when I was leaving high school and, and on to college. And my parents just felt, you know, no way. It's It's too far away. Um, all my friends were um, going to other, either the States or England, actually. And, and back then, I just, I just didn't like the idea of that. So I ended up going to university um, to Milan, Italy, actually, in, um, uh, in Bocconi, which uh, I am now super, super uh, happy that I made that choice because that gave me the opportunity to um, learn a new beautiful language and explore another, you know, another part of the world that, that to me back then was not, you know, I, I wasn't, um, I didn't have any exposure to. And um, while I was there, it just so happened that, you know, second year of uni, everyone started applying for these investment banking jobs for, for internships for the summer. And, you know, a little bit of without really thinking about it, a little bit of herd mentality back then, I thought, you know, why not? Let's give it a shot. So, you know, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to admit that, that in my case, it was a little bit of a random decision of, you know, all my friends are applying, let me give it, give it a shot as well. And that's how I ended up getting an internship position at Credit Suisse in London. So one way or another, I ended up in London and did my internship. It was, um, you know, an extremely interesting experience because, I mean, everybody knows about the working hours and, and, and the hard work. But when you only do it for a summer, it's not all that terrible. And it's it's quite insane how much you learn. And getting to work on this, you know, fast Based environment um, next to really smart people. I, you know, I really, really liked it. So then I very consciously made the decision to come back to Credit Suisse when, when they had offered me a full-time position at the end of my internship. And, you know, long story short, that's, that's how I ended up in investment banking. 
yeah, that story resonates. It's it's pretty common. It's this is a good job. It pays you good money. It keeps a lot of opportunities open. All my friends are doing it. Why would I not drink the Kool Aid and and get on that roller coaster? Yeah. So, so I think back then it was really really cool. It was the thing to do. I mean, venture has always been cool, but it wasn't that mainstream, for lack of a better word. Um, so yeah, it definitely had also the cool factor. I think up until just a few years ago, it was still really cool. But now there's these tech jobs that pay almost the same and have much better work-life balance and fridges full of food and, and all sorts of scooters running around the, the places. So it's lost a, a little bit of it. Bearing in mind that, that I, when I started in 2006, there was no stigma about being a banker. Um, shortly afterwards, there was. <laughs> right. So, okay, you spent a couple years at Credit Suisse and... I spent, I spent, I spent three years, actually. I, um, I started out in uh, financial sponsors, so, so you know, doing LBOs right before right before the 2007-2008 crisis and um that was incredibly hard work but i feel that you know got got great um great training but it was definitely not something that i saw myself doing in the long term um i think for me um it was more of a culture fit um and and a lifestyle fit at the same time so after about three years, I when I left Credit Suisse, I actually joined um, this person called Uday Angoyal, who was um, at the time leaving his uh, job at Deutsche Bank. He was running their fintech practice to open up his own shop. And I was the first uh, person to, to join him um, in, you know, Something that if you if, if if we look back and think about it now, it was exactly like a startup. It was you know we we mostly worked um, from home and coffee shops and the Eurostar because our first client was was in Paris and we traveled there a lot. Um, so that um, you know Uday founded a company called FT Advisors, which eventually um, ended up. Um, combining um, with um, Nayoka's Park, the uh, company that, that Sean Park and Amy Nayoka's, um, the other two original co-founders of Anthemis Group, um, had founded, and and the two companies combined, and then our current CEO Nadim Sheikh also joined, and that was the the birth of Anthemis Group. Got it. So before we get into Anthemis, let's let's get into leaving CS to go join one guy working in a coffee shop. What what were you thinking? What was that what was that thought process then? Well, I think, you know, if, if you take into context the, the, the time, because um, you know, at first I was doing leverage buyouts and then that, you know, got really hit. And then I moved internally at Credit Suisse in our um in the debt portfolio management um, sec, um, side of the, of the business where, um, I got involved with using credit default swaps to hedge our, our positions. And then a lot of bad stuff happening, started happening in that side of the market too. So for me, it was kind of, you know, leaving murky waters, um, to try something to try something new i guess the grass is always greener on the other side it was something that allowed me to use the 
knowledge and capabilities that I had built at Credit Suisse, but um, somewhere where I, I could be a more empowered because there's 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 much more responsibility when when it's just you know two people to begin with, but you know very soon we became four and five people, small team. Um, more responsibility and what we were doing was was pretty much the same we started out by um by sort of offering mna boutique type of services only focused on the financial services sector so that actually made a lot of sense to me back then okay so it's not it's not the normal path where you spend a few years at Credit Suisse and then go to uh, some kind of buy side fund. Instead, you go to a smaller advisory firm. Um, and it's one guy. Well, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to agree with you and say, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So for sure. So why didn't you take the, I, I'm trying to get, why didn't you take the traditional path? It sounds like you're smart, pedigreed, hardworking, like that opportunity, those, those doors had to have been open for you. What was, what was serendipity? Um, it was, um, it was, it was through a, a person that we knew in common that, uh, put us in touch and, and we had a conversation and then the rest was history. Got it. It wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't purposefully looking at that point in time. It was, it was just the opportunity that presented itself. And what was compelling? What was so compelling about it? It's like the responsibility, the the the, the actual person you liked. You liked him. I mean, what what was it? Yeah, he um, was well is um, incredibly respected and uh, you know very very strong at, at what he does. And um, but I have to admit that back then, what was compelling to me was just not being in a large investment bank anymore. It was. The flexibility of, um, of of being able to do the same things, but from a flexible environment. Um, I mean, you have to you have to think for the first, I think, six months of um, uh, of of us working together. We we didn't really have an office, so th- that meant much more control over how and where I work. And I have to admit, I, I really did get burned out after those very short three years, um, at investment banking. So, so yeah, for me back then it was like salvation. It was a no brainer. Yeah. I, I can relate. I'm, I mean, I'm removed from this for a bunch of years now, but I can remember the day that I left my bank, Hulahan Loki, that it was like, whew, like it was like a weight off, uh, not having to sleep with your phone under your pillow and just like, um, and I mean, if we're being honest, I, I, you know, I would never be able to pretend to say that this was a, deeply calculated decision. I sat down and I thought about it um, and realized that that's the right career move. Um, I I did want to go to the buy side. That time, it definitely was the wrong time to be doing that um, just because of, you know, the way the market was. So I was either going to go to an MBA, which I was very seriously considering, but then this happened, so I thought, okay, this is an experience. Let's give it a try. I'll definitely um, have a better lifestyle, at least. Um, I mean, we ended up working almost as hard as I did in the bank, but 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 that's fine. It was it was definitely more rewarding. And so the fact that I I have now ended up on the buy side in, in venture is 
is, you know, very much a matter of serendipity. And a lot of things that happened were not in my immediate control. So I'm very, very lucky that way. Right. Vika, that's the main theme of this podcast. I talk about it on every single one. It's There's a lot of factors going on in the universe that are outside of your control. And I mean, it's an encouraging message. It's a scary message, but I think it's more encouraging and insightful than it is scary. But if you are hardworking, you put yourself in the right places, just places where you're going to be learning and exposed to other smart people, the, the universe kind of has a way of working things out for you. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, at least it was my um, my personal experience. And I, I think it's really difficult to tell someone, you know, don't obsess about it. Um, you know, it's one of those one of those pieces of advice that it's so easy to give, but so hard to follow yourself. Um, but what I've found in my life is, you know, at any given point of, of, you know, great milestone, let's put it that way, be it professional or anything else, good things happened when I least obsessed about them. Right. And that, I mean, that's, much broader than than just jobs. I have friends who are like, oh, I need a I need a girlfriend, or oh, I, I need to find a new apartment. And it usually happens when they stop stressing about it so much. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So let's. So so now let's get into the part where working at this one man advisory investment bank turns into be combining into Anthemus. Um. Yeah. So it was a it was a very interesting journey. Um. I mean, we were, we were, as I mentioned earlier, we had, we were, we were in Ayoka's park, um, on one side and then, and then FD advisors on the other and Uday and Sean Park knew each other from just, you know, um, working together previously. Um, you know, since, since Uday was an eye banker, he, he had all these, all these connections from, from, uh, past clients of his. And, um, first we started sharing offices as, as, both companies were in that growth stage. And then very quickly, we discovered that what we have in common is also our ethos around um, around financial services and how currently the model is, is very broken. We hear the word customer-centric very often, but very rarely is that truly true. <laughs> Um, and how we, we also shared a very deeply rooted dislike for any type of business that's based on a zero sum game, um, sorry, zero sum game. And, um, through, through, you know, conversations between, between Uday and Sean and Nadim Sheikh, who, um, who, who is, um, who is currently our CEO, as I mentioned, and, and Amy Nayokas and, that is when all these people got together and decided to combine forces. And that's how Anthemis Group was, was born. So back then we had um, the venture capital side of, of, um, of Anthemis led by Amy and Sean. And the, um, we, we still kept the sort of M&A advisory practice that was led by Uday. And we also had the sort of fintech payments consulting side of the business, which was, was led by, by Nadine. And, um, and then, you know, the rest, um, as they say, the, the rest is history as, 
um, as a startup ourselves, we went through various uh, phases of sort of, you know, rediscovering ourselves and, and pivoting a little bit and, and finding all our place in the world, um, if you will. And eventually that led us to a place where, you know, our natural position is, um, is, is still within financial services um, now we're much more focused on the investment side, um, and we're very active investors through um, a variety of vehicles, and um, and yeah, and we we, we now focus on um, fintech, insurtech, and have started being um, very active in the healthcare space as well. Cool. So. Before we get into the investing stuff now, that structure in the beginning and still a little bit today, it's not a normal structure. It's kind of like a merchant bank with some consulting stuff on the side. I mean, I guess it's all around a specific industry of, of fintech, but were there like synergies between the businesses? Like what was the rationale there? Yeah. So firstly, you know, the it's funny you should mention merchant bank. That's, you know, that's exactly how we positioned it ourselves and how we thought about it. Um, yeah, the idea of synergies was absolutely there. You know, it, it, it's always been a connected company in the sense that, um, you have incumbents and you have, um, you know, innovation and new ventures and new companies coming up. And in order to really transform financial services, um, you know, you, you need to, um, you need to attack all sides of this it innovate true innovation won't come only from one of those places so i think the main synergy was just just knowledge just um understanding how each side do things and what uh challenges they face and we felt that um and we still do feel that we are sort of uniquely positioned to be able to to understand both sides and um, sort of reconcile them in a way and, and work with both because ultimately the common goal is, you know, redesigning financial services and, and making them more fair, even though that, that might sound a little romantic, but we, we really truly believe that um, it's, it's in the core of our, of our ethos. Got it. That's, that's interesting. That, that's an interesting thought to hear. So Vika, let's just, I'll make this your last question. It'll be an easy easy question, a more kind of personal life question. So after you invest in all the great fintech companies and you get your carry and you make your hundreds of millions, uh, are you going to go to Italy or are you going to go to Greece? Oh, very good question. Hmm. I think I'm going to come to LA. <laughs> oh, really? You want to come to the States? I think I'm going to come to LA. Um, no, seriously, kidding aside, um, gosh, that's a tough one. Right now, I want to say Italy because um, I'll always have Greece. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go to Greece for the summer and the rest of the year. I'll I'll just hang out in Italy. I love it. Uh, I want that life. So maybe you could, we can trade houses in LA and Italy and Greece. We can do a little three way trade. There you go. Sounds like a plan. Okay, well, Vika, this was a lot of fun speaking with you. Thanks for thanks for coming on and telling us uh, about your background and the serendipity and Anthemis and uh, vacationing in Europe. This was this was great. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. It was great meeting you. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Let me know what you think. 
leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about this podcast. Thank you.